Hello, all you bookworms, and welcome to Oh, for the Love of Books, a show that gives you a bit of narration from the books I read or ones you suggest for me to read on my show. I'm your host, Jessica Vickery, and thank you for joining me on this journey. So I stumbled across a new author that I decided to try. It's Adam Wright, and this is the first book in the Harbinger P.I. series. The title is Lost Soul, and it was published in 2016. The main character is Alec Harbinger, who is a preternatural investigator, which means he's the guy you go to when your spouse gets bitten by a werewolf or your boyfriend is kidnapped by a demon. At least he was the guy until the Society of Shadows sent him to a sleepy town in Maine that had a rating of zero on the supernatural occurrence scale. Alec plans to spend his days sitting around the office drinking coffee made by his new assistant, Felicity, who is English and I'm doing my best with the accent, as I've never done this accent before, until a woman hires him to find out if her son has been possessed by a demon at a rich kid's party. And a young man comes into the office, insisting he's been bitten by a werewolf. The supernatural occurrence scale jumps from zero to hero. Oh yeah, and someone in the society wants him dead. I guess it's time to sharpen the swords and get to work. Lost Soul by Adam Wright Chapter 1 There are some days when everything goes okay, or at least as well as you can hope. Then there are other days when it would be better to stay in bed and let the hours drift by while you remain hidden under the blankets. Today had hardly even started, but I already longed to crawl back into bed and pretend the sun had never risen. In fact, the sun hadn't risen yet. I was standing in my kitchen with a mug of steam and coffee in my hand at 5 a.m., My lack of sleep and the early hour contributed to my reluctance to face the day ahead, but the sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach had more to do with location than time. I peered out through the dark kitchen window. I could just make out the woods looming in the darkness at the end of the yard. Yep, I was in Deermont, Maine. So the move from Chicago to this middle-of-nowhere small town by order of the society, hadn't just been a terrible dream. Here I was, cast away by the Society of Shadows, to a quiet town where I wouldn't do further damage to the society's image. That was a joke. How could a secret society even have an image to damage? But the joke was on me because they had banished me to a town where I would be lucky to get a single case. As a preternatural investigator in a world where preternatural beings are hidden from the general population, I hadn't exactly been overrun with cases in Chicago, so I expected to be doing nothing more than sitting on my ass most days in Deermont. The problem with that was that the society wouldn't put up with me for much longer if my monthly report said nothing more than no activity. I wouldn't just be sitting on my ass. I would be out on it. 
And from the rumors I heard, nobody left the Society of Shadows and stayed alive for very long afterward. I took a sip of my coffee and grimpsed at the bitter taste. Leaning against the sink, I surveyed the kitchen and told myself that this was my new home now, so I had better get used to it and find a case sooner rather than later. The house was still unfamiliar to me because the first time I saw it was yesterday after driving here from Bangor Airport. The society had arranged to have my Land Rover transported to Bangor from Chicago so I could use it as soon as I landed, and they had also had my boxed belongings brought to the new house. But their insistence on controlling every aspect of the move meant that they had chosen the house I was to live in, as well as the office I was to work out of in town. Sure, they took care of the first three months' rent for both places, but that was small compensation for having to move into a house I hadn't chosen myself. As things had turned out, the house was actually quite nice. Located on a seemingly quiet tree-lined street of fairly large four- and five-bedroom dwellings, my own four-bedroom home was more than spacious enough, even with my boxes cluttering up the living room and two of the bedrooms. I hadn't unpacked anything but the bare essentials. Yet, but I knew that even after I'd empty all the boxes, the belongings that had filled my two-bedroom apartment in Chicago would be lost in this spacious house. Well, that was the way it was going to have to be. I couldn't afford new furniture unless I found paying clients. And in this small town, that might prove to be an impossible task. I finished the coffee and put the empty cup in the sink. Outside, a gray pre-dawn light was seeping into the sky. Summer was just beginning, so I expected the day to get hot later. I cranked up the air in the house so the place would be cool when I returned. If things were as slow as I expected at the office, I might even close up early and come back here this afternoon. No need to put in long hours on my first day on the job. I'd seen a barbecue in the yard when I arrived yesterday. Maybe if I grabbed a few beers at the local store later, along with some burgers, I could treat myself to a quiet, housewarming party in the sun. I went upstairs, showered, and dressed in jeans and a flannel shirt. By the time I came back downstairs, the darkness beyond the windows had been replaced by a bright gray. The uppermost branches of the fir and elm trees in the wood had caught a sliver of orange sunlight, but the shadows beneath were still dark and mysterious. I put on my boots, grabbed the key ring that held my house, car, and office keys from a small table near the front door, and went out into the driveway. There was a slight breeze, cool against my skin and carrying a fresh earthy scent with an overtone of sharp pine. I was a world away from the exhaust-laden air of Chicago. The other houses on the street were mostly dark. A few lights shone behind closed curtains, but most of the houses were dark shapes against the early dawn light. I climbed into the Land Rover and started the engine. It roared to life, shattering this dawn stillness. A few more lights came on along the street as the noise awoke the neighbors. I could imagine them peering out from their bedroom windows and cursing that guy who moved in yesterday. 
Sorry, folks. I don't intend to get up this early every day. It's just that trying to sleep in a strange house doesn't work for me. Once you get to know me, you'll see I'm a really great guy, a perfect neighbor. I keep myself to myself and never bring my work home with me. Which is a good thing, since my work involves demons and vampires. I backed out of the driveway and headed toward town, consulting the map of Deermont on the passenger seat. The map showed Main Street and my office was circled in red marker. I'd be told the office was located next to a donut shop, so I had that going for it at least. Ten minutes and two wrong turns later, I found Main Street. It was a long road lined with two- and three-level buildings housing businesses like the general store, a bookstore, an outdoor store, and a number of restaurants and eating establishments. Only the general store was open at the moment. The rest of the buildings dark and quiet. I found the donut shop, a place imaginatively called Deermont Donuts, and spotted a narrow door next to it with the words, Harbinger, P.I., printed in black letters on the frosted glass. I frowned when I saw that there was a light spilling out through the glass onto the sidewalk. I slowed the Land Rover and bent forward to check the windows above Deermont Donuts. The lights were on up there, too. Maybe someone had left them on by mistake. I found a parking space around the back of the building and locked the Land Rover before walking around the door that bore my name. On impulse, I tried the door before using my key. It opened. So not only had someone left the lights burning, they had also left the door unlocked. Sighing, I stepped inside and found myself in a small foyer with a steep flight of stairs leading up to the next floor. The foyer was empty except for a wooden business card holder on the wall filled with cards. I took one and inspected it. The card was black, and in gold lettering it read, Alec Harbinger, P.I., Preternatural Investigator, Discretion Assured. Below that, there was a phone number that I assumed belonged to a phone in the office upstairs. I ascended the narrow stairs and found myself in a wood-paneled hallway with three doors. Two of the doors had frosted glass panes. The third, the door closest to me, was solid wood and had a gold plaque that said bathroom. That was good to know because I intended to be drinking a lot of coffee here. The door at the far end of the hallway had my name printed in the same lettering as the entrance door downstairs. The other door, situated halfway between the bathroom and my office, intrigued me the most because its glass pane displayed the word assistant. Not only that, there was a strong smell of coffee and baked goods emanating from that room beyond. The door was ajar. I pushed it all the way open and was greeted by the sight of a woman fussing around a coffee maker. She wore a white blouse, black pencil skirt, and thick-rimmed glasses. She was slim and tall, her height accentuated by the fact that her dark hair was piled up on top of her head. She turned to face me, and I guessed her age to be mid-twenties. Mr. Harbinger, 
she said, putting down the coffee pot. She had a British accent. You're here. I am indeed, I said. This is my office, after all. You can call me Alec, by the way. And you are? Felicity Lake, she said, coming forward with her hand outstretched. We shook. Her hand was warm, her grip light. Would you like a coffee? She asked. And an apple bake? I have apple bakes. I made them myself this morning. She returned to the coffee maker and began pouring from a pot into a cup. There was a frenetic energy about her that might come from nervousness or could just be a part of her personality. It was difficult to be sure. She handed me the cup of coffee, cream and sugar, just the way you like it. So the society had told her how I took my coffee. That was very thorough of them. What else had they told her about me? Thanks, Felicity, and I would love to try one of those apple bakes. I gestured to the plate of golden brown goodies that smelled mouth-watering of apple and cinnamon. Of course. She went over to the plate and began transferring some of the bakes onto a smaller dish. As well as my coffee preference, the society must have told her about my love of sweets and any food that was bad for me. I'll bring these to your office for you, she offered. Thanks, I said, turning and heading from my office door. Felicity followed, the aroma of the apple bakes filling the hallway. My office was spacious, even with the large dark wood desk sitting by the window. A large leather chair sat behind the desk with two smaller chairs for clients on the opposite side. A computer sat on the desk as well as an intercom device that I assumed connected to Felicity's office. The floor had a thick, pale green carpet, and the walls were painted a similar color. A bookshelf ran along one wall with leather-bound grimoires and lore books sitting on it. The books are from your old office in Chicago, Felicity said, placing a dish of apple bakes on my desk. And that's your old trash basket, too. She pointed to a wire basket on the floor beneath the window. I sat in the big chair and swiveled it to face the window in the view of Main Street. I'll get everything ready for your first client, Felicity said. I have a client? I tried not to sound too surprised, but failed miserably. Yes, she said, smoothing down her skirt with her hands. She'll be here at nine. She turned to leave. Felicity, I said, stopping her. Turning to face me, she asked, Yes, Alec. I looked into her dark eyes and said, Were you sent here to spy on me? Well, I think next week I will continue with this story. I normally lean towards female authors, with the exception of a few male authors. But this book caught me with the subject. Adam also brings to life some humor, curiosity, and intrigue. It's a good storyline, and I think I'll try the next book in the series, Buried Memory, to see how it goes. Well, 
Well, that concludes my episode for today. I want to thank you all for taking the time to listen to me talk. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you like my podcast, please subscribe to my show or send me an email to justvicvoice at outlook.com. That's J-E-S-S-V-I-C-V-O-I-C-E at outlook.com with suggestions of books for me to read on the show. Thank you again, and please join me next week on Oh, for the Love of Books. And as always, dream big and keep reading.